This is uh, Citizens Gone Wild, uh, Coronavirus uh, edition. Uh, before I get into what I really wanted to talk about, uh, I just wanted to yell a little bit about Trump. And um, he, I like a lot of stuff that Trump has done. I am not one of these anti-Trumpies. But he backed down here, and I don't like that. He ordered a 60-day stop on Green's cards, which is the way you get into this country as a regular immigrant. And that's fine with me. Uh, people here need jobs. And you could argue that um, uh, that's a valid point of view. But he backed off on um, immigrants who are coming here on special worker programs because business groups exploded in anger at the threat of losing access to foreign labor. What he's talking about here is two different groups. One is agricultural workers, which I think should be allowed in, uh, because at this point in our history, no one else is going to do it, and you'd bankrupt an awful lot of farmers if you don't allow that. Also, you wouldn't be able to get your fresh fruit and veggies. Um, but the the other group, the, the group that has the most money, is the uh, the computer people. The people who own the biggest computer companies in the world, if I can call uh, Facebook and uh, things like that, a computer company, which I can. Um, what happened was they got a hold of them and started screaming and yelling. And what do these people want? Uh, do we not have programmers in America? We have plenty of them. We invented the entire field. Without us, there would be no Facebook, Google, and the rest of it. We invented everything. Okay. Now, these people are unbelievably wealthy. I mean, it's hard to even say how wealthy they are out loud. Um, they are millionaires. But for some reason, they still want more money. Now, if you're a programmer in the United States, you make good money. You can graduate from almost, almost any college in America and start at seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars in your first job, which is pretty good. However, if we didn't continue to import programmers uh, who are no better or worse than our programmers, you would be earning a hundred, a hundred twenty, a hundred thirty, a hundred fifty. And why shouldn't you? If you're that valuable, you should earn that much. But these people who own the computer programs insist on importing engineers, uh, computer engineers. And uh, they apparently called up and uh, walked by the president's office and started yelling and screaming and carrying on some fears. Who are these people? These people are the donors. These are the people that donate millions of dollars to anyone running for office as long as you do what they want. And what they want is this. They want cheap programmers, at least cheaper than they otherwise would be. This is nonsense. This is absolute nonsense. The whole nation is in crisis. And the last thing we should be doing, I think, is uh, giving in to rich people who want to get even richer. And it's very disappointing to see Trump give in to these people. I think he'll be under tremendous attack for doing this, and he'll probably try and get out of it, by saying, well, I said I'd review the decision in 60 days. There's nothing to review. There's nothing to review. At a time of national crisis, economic crisis, we're giving in to some incredibly 
wealthy billionaires. Never mind the millionaires. I resent that. However, I'm going to move on to um, tell a few jokes here. Okay. These are suggestions for what to do with the uh, coronavirus situation. Basically, you can't leave the house for any reason, but if you have to, then you can. Stores are closed except for the ones that are open. You should not go to a hospital unless you have to go there. Stay out of the ER at all costs unless you're having a medical emergency, then it's okay. The virus is deadly, but not too scary. Gloves won't help, but they can still help, especially if you wear the same pair for hours and everywhere you go, then you cannot spread germs. Everyone needs to stay home, but it's important if it's important to go out um, in order to get some sunlight, you can do so. There's no shortage of groceries in the supermarket. There are many things missing when you go there, but not in the morning sometimes. You can have as many symptoms as you want when you are sick, but you can get sick without symptoms. Have symptoms uh, without being sick or be contagious without having symptoms. Under no circumstances should you go to retirement homes, but if you have to take care of the elderly and give them food and medication, then fine. Just wear gloves, the same ones, all day. You can walk around with a friend if you stay six feet apart, but don't visit with your family if they don't live under the same roof as you. Even if you've been locked inside for two months already, you may still have the virus and do not know it yet. You'll find out. Wait another week. Wasn't that the last week? Might be the next one. Keep waiting. The virus stays in the air. Well, no, but yes, maybe, especially in a closed room. In one hour, a sick person can infect 10. So if it fails, all our children are already infected at school before it was closed. But remember, if you stay at a recommended social distance, however, in certain circumstances, you should maintain a greater distance, which studies show the virus can travel further, maybe. <laughs> okay. Even more jokes, because... Uh, we need him. I was so bored, I called Jake from State Farm just to talk to someone. He asked me what I was wearing. The world turned upside down. Old folks are sneaking out of the house, and their kids are yelling them to stay home. You think it's bad now? In 20 years, the country will be run by people homeschooled by day drinkers. Do not call the police on suspicious people in your neighborhood. Those are your neighbors without makeup and hair extensions. Uh, let's see. When this is over, what meeting do I attend first? Weight Watchers or AA? Triple um, AA. That's what it is. Okay. There's uh, some talk about a labor. Yeah, never mind that. Uh, one of the. As I see it, the big battle shaping up is a battle between those who are, want to defend Western civilization and ones that don't. And those, both of those groups are vying for the affection and support of the American people. In Europe, you have conservatives as defined by a group that is focused tightly on preserving Western civilization. That means the good out of the good, the bad, and the ugly that came with Western civilization. And they basically are supporting 
a civilization, the only one as far as I know, that has liberty as its prime value. No other civilization in the world that I know of has liberty as its prime value, other than perhaps ancient Greece. Um, the problem they have is that there are an awful lot of poor people in the world who would love to live a much better life than they are living and who can blame them. However, the main way of living a better life, <coughs> apparently, is to move to the West. Why didn't these people come before? Because they weren't allowed in. Now we do allow them in, and there's a fair number of people who feel guilty if we don't allow them in. But if we do allow them in in too great a number, might they change our civilization to be more like the one they tried to escape from? They might. Multiculturalism is the dominant attitude on college campuses and with the professors, and that means it will spread throughout our society, which it already does. You have people apologizing for being from the West. Is nonsense. Multicultural assumes culture to be morally equivalent, but if they were morally equivalent, then people wouldn't try and get here. But people say burkas are just as valid as ball gowns. Burkinis as bikinis. Nonsense. Um, actually, I can't even think of any other civilization that exists in the world except Western civilization. I mean, the other places aren't civilizations, they're just, you know, variations on thuggeries. You might say Muslim civilization, but I don't see much there that I admire. That sounds cruel, perhaps, to you? Tell me one or two things that you admire about uh, Muslim civilization. There are some people who feel guilty about what the West has done. Uh, that's probably because of a bad education they received. Uh, what we, be, we should be celebrating here is not that the West had slaves. Everyone had slaves. Slavery is a very widespread phenomenon in the history of the world. What has happened is that the West had slaves, yes, but what they did that was special is the West eliminated slavery and then forced, more or less, the rest of the world to give up slavery, which they had, except for a few countries in Africa where all of the slave owners are Muslim Arabs and all of the slaves are black. Some people think it's hopeless, it's too late, we can't resist, but I don't know if that's true. I don't think so. There are a number of countries that are resisting mightily and more coming along all the time. I think it's just a question of putting on more pressure and uh, just standing up and saying, uh, no, that's it. You stay there, we stay here. You can write, you can send gifts, but you stay there and we stay here. Israel has been under tremendous pressure lately. Um, people yell at them on college campuses, people yell at them at the United Nations, and they basically say that they're colonists. That is, they don't properly fit into the Middle East. But I say they do. I say they have more right to be in the Middle East than any other country that's there at the current time. There is a continuous presence of Jews in Israel for a long, long time. Take uh, about 2,000 years. Few can make that comment. Actually, the Arabs that are there are foreigners. They're imperialists. They're colonists. 
And um, this has been going on for about 1,500 years. The Arabs come from, oh, I don't know, Arabia maybe? So they are outsiders. They came there as imperialists, as conquerors. And that lasted quite a little while until some other conquerors, empire builders, colonists, the English came along. The Jews actually had to throw out two groups of imperialist colonists in order to establish Israel. Israel is tiny. It is the size of New Jersey and about the same population. The Arab country, it is less than 1% of the Arab land mass. Actually, it's less than one half of 1%. The fact of the matter is that the people who are against Israel's existence, and that is what their goal is, to eliminate Israel, um, know this, but they don't say it out loud. Because most people do not know much history and even less recent history. Israel is actually the most legally established country in the history of the world. Um, the, uh, the Jews who came there have been there continuously for 2,000 years. Secondly, the British Empire said that they, um, in something called the Balfour Declaration, said that um, they, they, uh, the Jews have a right to be there in Israel. The League of Nations, an international organization of the early 20th century, had a mandate saying that Jews had a right to be there. Um, the uh, United Nations recognized Israel as a country in, in uh, 1948. I don't know of any other nation in the history of the world that has had such authority to be where they are. Now, by the way, how does the United States have a right to be the United States? We made a nation the way 99.9% of the nations become a nation. We conquered an area and then said, this is ours, and if you want to take it away, we will shoot you. This is the way France, England, Russia, every country got started this way, except Israel which actually has a kind of international um, validity to it and uh, international bodies that said, yes, this is a nation. They have a right to be a nation. By the way, the head of Hamas, a minister named Fatih Hamad, said that half of the Palestinians are Egyptians and the other half are Saudis. There was no such thing as Palestinians. Um, until someone decided to use the word Palestinians to make it sound as if these people, the, Pal the uh, Muslims, um, were thrown out of their land. They weren't thrown out of land. It was never their land. The only time it was their land is when they were imperialists and took over the foreign, in effect, the foreign land. The rejection of Israel at its core has nothing to do with Palestinian nationalism and local identity. It has to do with the idea that these folks who were kept down for centuries on end and for thousands of years, all of a sudden are standing tall in their native homeland. And it bugs people. It bugs Arabs. It bugs Muslims. It bugs leftists. Good. I like to see those people suffer. More jokes. Barb was lying in bed one night. Larry was falling asleep, but Barb was in a romantic mood and wanted to talk. She said, you used to hold my hands when we were courting. Wearily, he reached across, held her hand for a second, and tried to get back to sleep. 
A few minutes later, she said, then you used to kiss me. Mildly irritated, Larry reached across, gave her a peck on the cheek, and settled down to sleep. Thirty seconds later, she said, then you used to bite my neck. Angrily, Larry threw off the bedclothes, got out of bed, and said, and Barb said, where are you going? To get my teeth. Here's another one. Down at the retirement center, 80-year-old Bessie bursts into the rec room at the retirement home. She holds her clenched fist in the air and announces, anyone who can guess what's in my hand can have sex with me tonight. An elderly gentleman in the rear shouts, an elephant. Bess thinks a minute and says, close enough. (laughs) A little old lady who had lost her way was running up and down the halls of a nursing home. As she ran, she would flip up the hem of her nightgown and say, super sex. She ran up to an elderly man in a wheelchair, flipped his gown at him and and said, super sex. He thought for a moment and said, I'll take the super. Okay. By the way, um, if you ever think of running for office, I've seen a number of people who, to protect themselves, have taken one of those water cooler bottles that are blue and and about a foot across and two and a half feet tall and put it over their head, uh, using it for protection. That's that's who your citizens are. Speaking of citizens and being nice to them, in many countries, uh, people who are dying alone, and this is a damn shame, Israel, not unusual for them, has a solution. Virus patients at Israelis' hospitals are not dying alone. Uh, what they do is they suit up the relatives in those space outfits with the proper mask and gloves and invite them in to be with their dying mother, father, grandmother, friend. What a wonderful idea. What a wonderful idea. They allow them 15 minutes. Uh, They're not taking any chances, but they're allowing them 50 minutes to say goodbye and then assist them in removing the mask, the cap, the robe, the gloves, the boots with great caution to prevent infection. What a wonderful idea. And I'm not surprised that it comes from Israel. Now, there's another question coming up in this time of the virus, and that is, can you be scared to death? Can you actually die from fright? And the answer is, legally at least, yes, you can. There have been a number of cases where people uh, uh, died, in, let us say, in their home uh, from a fear-induced heart attack. And um, uh, a thief came into the house of this, let's say, 89-year-old Freda Dale, She died in her home from a fear-induced heart attack, and he was convicted and sent to jail. There are other cases like this as well, where a 79-year-old grandmother of five uh, was in her house and someone broke into it. He was convicted as well. Apparently, you can die from fright, and there's a scientific reason why. When you are frightened, your adrenal glands release a hormone It helps to increase your strength and speed so you can fight or run away. Adrenaline makes your heart pump faster. But too much adrenaline can kill you. And when you're afraid enough, you produce 
too much adrenaline. This produces ventricular fibrillation, which you may have heard of, and um, you die. This causes the heart to beat irregularly, and um, then you die. So you can die from fright. And the lesson of this is don't die from fright. Instead, um, try and stay calm. If you learn how to do that, you should call me. Here's something interesting. I love a weird statistic. Thugs killed more people in Chicago than coronavirus did. That's right. The Now, one of the reasons this is true is that the urban gangs are practicing social distancing by shooting their victims from passing cars. In a single day in early April, Chicago thugs killed six people and shot 21. So far this year, 117 people have been killed. 522 were wounded. Only 86 people in Chicago so far have died of the coronavirus. So get in your car and start shooting. Protect yourself and your family. By the way, a lot of people were um, experiencing rises in crime. A lot of cities are. The problem seems to be that they're allowing people to go free in order to reduce the jail population so they can reduce the um, activity of the coronavirus in jails. Um, the problem is that uh, this may also be increasing um, crime because these people go out of jail and then they um, commit crimes because they are, what you call it, criminals. So watch yourself out there. Now, I'm looking at a photograph with captions, and the captions deal with how uh, things would have been if the politically correct would have been in charge during the um, Pearl Harbor attack, or after the Pearl Harbor attack, I guess. And uh, you have a number of people, including the press corps, standing around FDR, and the, the caption reads, if FDR had to deal with a press corps like President Trump's. And what, what one person is saying is, Mr. President, do you feel guilty for all the sailors we lost Sunday? Another press person says, you've had years to prepare. Why wasn't our Navy ready? Another person said, why do you insist on calling it the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor? I like that one. Why do you insist on calling it the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor? Are you going to resign, says another. Many say that your oil embargo on Japan led to the war. Is there blood on your hands? I'll read that last one again. Why do you insist on calling it the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor? <laughs> now, lately, Jackie Mason has been speaking up He's been speaking up that may ring a bell, in a way that may ring a bell with some of you, and some of you not. You may have noticed, whether you're Jewish or not, that there seem to be an awful lot of Jewish professors who are not speaking up against the wild and nasty attacks on Jews slash Israel on college campuses. He's wondering the same damn thing. He thinks that there are a lot of Jews out there suffering from self-hate or worse. Now, we just had Passover, 
So he says, we account for the thousandth time our lamentable escape from Egypt. How is this night different from any other night? I don't know, Sherlock Moses. How is it? Persecution is uh, prevalent. We Jews are actually in danger after the Holocaust. The crazy thing, he says, is that Jews are often the biggest supporters and unwitting allies of anti-Semitism. If you go to any university today, you'll find a Professor Silverstein, that's in quotes, preaching about intersectionality, which means that Jews are responsible, along with other people, for their fate. Um, You'll find uh, Jewish professors being woke and talking only about the oppression of the Palestinian people. All you ever hear on college campuses is that there could be peace if if Israel doesn't build a, a settlement, if Israel doesn't use unnecessary force, if Israel doesn't force harsh checkpoint measures. But they blame everything on Israel, and it's so obvious to anyone who has eyes and half a brain that it's nothing but anti-Semitism. There are plenty of ifs on the other side, but they are mentioned. If Israel didn't, uh, if uh, Palestinians, if Arabs, if Muslims didn't fire rockets into towns in Israel, if they acknowledged the Jewish right to exist, uh, if they would remember the tens of thousands, no, the hundreds of thousands of Sephardic Jews who were ejected from Arab countries and sent into exile. And he'd like to add a fifth thing. Why can't Jews stop preaching Jewish hate? On the other hand, since it is close to Passover, let me read something nice here. These are the words of Mark Twain. And he wrote an essay called Concerning the Jews. If statistics are right, the Jews constitute but one quarter of one percent of the human race. It suggests a nebulous puff of stardust lost in the blaze of the Milky Way. The Jew ought hardly to be heard of, but he is prominent on the planet as any other people, and the importance of having Jews is extravagantly out of proportion to the smallness of their bulk. <laughs> um, his contributions to the world's list of great names in literature, science, art, religion, music, finance, medicine, are out of proportion to the weakness of his numbers. He has made a mar- marvelous flight in the world of, in all ages and has done it with his hands tied behind him. The Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Persians rose, filled the planet with sound and splendor, then faded away and passed away. The Greeks and Romans followed, made a vast noise, and they were gone. Other people have sprung up and held their torch high for a time, but it burned out, and they sit in twilight now, or they have vanished. The Jews saw them all, survived them all, now what was, exhibiting no decadence, no infirmaries of age, no weakening of his parts, no slowing of his energies, no dulling of his alert but aggressive mind. All things are mortal, but the Jews, all other forces pass, but he remains. What is the secret of his immortality? That's a nice thing to say, I think. By the way, I I am a lover of strange statistics, and here's one. Poverty in the United States was plummeting rapidly 
and then we declared war on it, and it stopped plummeting rapidly. How can that be? Before the war in poverty, during the uh, the two decades before the war in poverty, the poverty rate was cut in half from about 30% to 15%. And it has been that way at 15% for a long, long time, 14, 15, 16, 13, always in that range. How is that possible? I don't actually know. Conservatives say that this is possible because of the war on poverty and the subsequent programs that were put into place basically have replaced uh, the amount of money that you could earn at a not-so-good job. Plus, we have idiotic policies that are so idiotic that they um, give a new meaning to the word idiotic. For example, if you get on, let's say you're a mother with a child, We'll, we'll try and find out where the fathers are later on. If you're a mother with a child and you come into the welfare office, you get help. You get some help. Now, if you go to work, eventually they take away the help. Most importantly, they take away the health care help. This means that you're almost committing child abuse if you get off of welfare by working at a bad job. How do we come up with these programs? I don't know. I don't know. It takes a lot of effort, that I'm sure of. By the way, um, if you've ever wondered what people are dying of in the world, other than old age, here's an interesting chart. I told you I like the interesting charts. COVID-19, 46,000 so far. Seasonal flu, 122,000. Malaria, a quarter of a million. Suicide, a quarter of a million. I'm rounding these off wildly. Traffic fatalities, 339,000. HIV AIDS, 421,000. Alcohol, 600,000. Smoking, now we're getting into the stratosphere. Smoking kills 1.2 million people. Cancer kills uh, 2 million. Hunger kills 3 million. And abortion, if you want to count that, kills 10 million. Now, a lot of people are starting to look around. Well, Jews are starting to look around anyway. At um, at the possible candidates. And some people are saying, who will Biden pick for vice president? We know he's going to pick someone because you need a vice president. And um, especially if you're older and uh, seem to be losing your edge. One person he could pick, if I were his advisor, I'd tell, her to, tell him to pick her first, is Warren. Uh, the problem for Jews, if you're interested in that, is that um, she basically hangs out with people who loathe Israel. And she's already promised to redivide uh, Jerusalem, um, which is a shame. She also takes no notice of the corruption uh, that uh, pervades the United Nations, in particular regarding the um, the Jews. Here's an interesting figure. There are only about 30,000 
actual refugees, people who left Israel at the time of the, uh, in 1948, during the time of the first war about Israel. And uh, so that's 30,000 people. That's it. Now, to help them, we have how many people in the uh, what's called UNRWA, the United Nations Relief and Works Agency. And what do they have there? Well, uh, they have about 30,000 people. You have a one-to-one ratio of people who help uh, the refugees, uh, of which there are only about 30,000. And so there you go. I don't know what to say about that. It's so stupid. Oh, I know what to say about something else, though. It is my contention that among the most corrupt institutions in America are universities. And the greater, the more elite, the more corrupt. Right now, did you know that the U.S. Department of Education is investigating Harvard and Yale for failing to report millions of foreign gifts? Foreign gifts from who? Foreign gifts from countries like Saudi Arabia, who would like to influence our foreign policy eventually. Ah, dear, dear, dear. China, excuse me, China, Iran, Qatar, and Saudi Arabia have sent in bloody fortunes. We're talking billions and billions and billions. And, well, I don't know what to say there. Here's something good news. I knew I'd find this if I kept reading and reading. The number of steps that you have to take at a time to keep healthy. Well, about 4,000 a day. I like that. It's better than 10,000 a day. Oh, here's something I hate. I got a lot of hate. And uh, interfaith panels. It shows uh, basically for Christians, Jews, and Muslims. What do I hate about interfaith panels? I've been thinking about it. I hate them because they imply that everyone is equally guilty. The hell with that crap. Everyone is not equally guilty. It is the Muslims who are blowing up things, not us, not Christians, not Jews. It's the Muslims who are blowing up things. It's the Muslims who are trying to continuously massacre Jews. Enough of that. A suspected COVID-19 male patient is lying in bed in the hospital, wearing an oxygen mask over his mouth and nose. A young student female nurse appears and gives him a partial sponge brush. Nurse, he mumbles from behind the mask, are my testicles black? Embarrassed, the young nurse replies, I don't know, sir. I'm only here to wash your upper body and feet. He struggles to ask again, nursey, please check for me. Are my testicles black? Concerned that he might elevate his blood pressure and heart rate above worrying about his testicle, she overcomes her embarrassment and pulls back the covers. She raises his gown, holds his manhood in one hand, and his testicles gently in the other. She looks very closely and says, there's nothing wrong with them, sir, they look fine. The man slowly, laboriously pulls off his oxygen mask, smiles at her, and says very slowly, thank you very much, that was wonderful. Now listen very, very, very closely. Are my test results back? Um, I want to end with something just wonderful. Just wonderful. 
just about the time you give up on mankind, you come across something like this, and that changes everything. This is from a description of the post-mortem care two nurses provided to a COVID-19 patient they had just lost. He is dead. Acknowledging that it is a grim affair, they wrapped the patient's body securely, stroking his brow and wishing him well on his next journey. 